Hi, good morning. This is uh, chapter nine and ten of our look through Romans. And so the last uh, the last chapter closed with Paul saying that nothing, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Now it's really clear this is not the love of God in the law, not the love of God in art or songs or feelings. It's not the love of success. It's not even the love of culture or tradition or family, though those things may massively reflect some of God's love. It is only the love of God as seen in Jesus Christ. And in chapter 9 jumps in and it's concerning Israel and it concerns the mystery and God's way of doing things that so often don't line up with how we would have them. And this is very important for us to understand as believers that God won't do what we want him to or even sometimes what we ask him to just because we want it. It doesn't matter if we really believe it will happen or if we have the biggest faith in the world. If it is not God's will, no amount of us naming or claiming or fasting will make it happen. Although praying and fasting are still very much encouraged by believers. But God is mysterious and will often do wondrous works that may not make sense to us. His great plan is his great plan and it does not follow our great plans. So to start off, read chapter 9, verse 1 to 5. So for Paul, how does he see Israel's current situation before God? And ask yourself, do we have a similar heart for our culture and our nation? You see, God chose Israel. He appeared to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in order to begin his plan. And Paul reminds the reader that though this new way, this Christianity, is not exclusively Jewish, to remember that Jesus himself in his humanness was a Jew, a person of God. And does this mean that Judaism has been swept aside and left behind? Because sometimes in our very Christian Western culture, it might seem that way. But Paul insists that rather than Judaism becoming obsolete, it has in fact become fully completed. And look back at verses 6 and 7. Paul asks, has God failed in his promise to Israel? Of course not, because being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them children of Abraham. And when Paul says children of Abraham, he's talking about those who are under the promise of God when God promised Abraham that he would have many descendants. And it is only through one of Abraham's earthborn children that God's promise was revealed in Isaac. And as we know, he had at least one other named son, Ishmael, and presumably some others. But take a moment to consider Abraham, that he had to wait years and years for a legitimate son born to his wife. And he tried to take matters into his own hand and he ended up making mistakes and he brought real harm and destruction on his own household because he slept with his slave and he had an illegitimate son. Um, so read through Romans 9, 8 to 16. Now there's a lot here to process, but ask yourself, how often has God not worked out the way that you either thought he would? Or perhaps ask yourself, how often has God not worked out the way you wanted him to? And I'm sure all of us can think about times when we have believed something was about to happen, like someone had prophesied or prayed over us, and it didn't work out exactly the way we expected. And that can be utterly demoralising for some people, but I want us to consider what Paul is saying while giving the examples from the patriarchs. God doesn't work the way we would work. The people he chooses are not chosen based on what we see, but what God can see. A prayer answered when we want it, might not truly benefit us or our church or our communities. So please don't be destroyed if God's plan for you hasn't gone exactly as you expected it to. Look at verse 14 and 15. 
God says, I will show mercy to anyone I choose. You can hear my baby crying in the background. And I will show compassion to anyone I choose. So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can't choose it or work for it. Paul is encouraging the church and the Israelites in the church to understand that God is going to welcome in and bring salvation through Jesus to anyone he chooses, not simply to one group of people that we have decided are good enough. So take a minute and ask yourself, is there anything in your life that you believe God has promised and it hasn't turned out as you expected? And then be encouraged that God hasn't abandoned you, but that maybe your understanding of what God is going to do needs a bit of change. And with that in mind, read the following verses, Romans 9, 19 through to 24. We live in a very privileged time. We have access to technology far superior to Paul, and we have an understanding of the world and the universe that he never did. But we still don't know everything. We can't control everything. We can't truly, really control anything. Now, I want to go back a few a few books to Job. Now, in Job 38, God finally answers Job from the whirlwind with this question. Job 38 verse 2. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Now, if you've got time, you should read Job 38 all the way through Job 42, because uh, these are some of the wisest theological chapters in the whole of the Bible. And in it, Job finally replies to God and says this, Job 42 verse 3. I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. We want to know everything, and we want to have a hand on the wheel and control everything, but we can't. The scale and scope and the breadth of our world, let alone our universe, is far too wonderful for us. We cannot make ourselves perfect and right and figure out and control everything, especially everything about God and our faith and our lives by our own strength. And Paul finishes chapter 9 by explaining that Israel had failed because, verse 32, they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of trusting him. Basically, they were trying to sort things out in their own understanding and in their own strength rather than having trust in God. Read chapter 9, verse 33. We cannot live a Christian life of faith by demanding that we control everything. And how has that chapter challenged your vision and your perspective today? Let's move into chapter 10. Now, Paul's heart longs for his people to have faith in Christ. He knows how enthusiastic they are for God, but he says in chapter 10, verse 2, it is misdirected. And how similar is that today? There are so many people in our world, some in branches of Christianity, some in Judaism, some in Islam, to name just a few, who are so eager to please God, they're so eager to do it right, but they are misdirected by culture, by fear, by money. Now, salvation is for everyone. And like we just covered in chapter 9, it is not always salvation in the way that might make sense to us. And in fact, all through the Bible, God never works in ways that men would expect. Choosing people that the world wouldn't, working through nations in ways that we wouldn't, bringing salvation through death, of the Messiah. That's totally not what we would expect. And if you want to read all of chapter 10, go right ahead, but I want to specifically focus on the following verses, Romans 10, 14 and 15. Read them both and ask, does this challenge you about being the feet and messengers of God? 
Now, in our online small group last week, we were discussing how serious we really were about doing anything for God. And I actually think those words are extremely difficult to say and really mean, because we live in such a privileged world. We want to be sent by God, but I doubt most of us would want to be sent anywhere in a really poor, war-torn country for more than perhaps a week or two. And we're often waiting for a calling, like we're literally waiting by the phone for a job offer, so that then we can go out and be the messengers of Christ. And although in extreme cases, God really will step in and make it abundantly clear if we need to change course drastically, we shouldn't need anything more than becoming a Christian to begin being the feet and messengers of the Lord. Because if we who believe are not telling people about this faith of ours, why should we ever expect anyone to care? Now, obviously, Paul is talking about the Israelites in chapter 10. His heart is aching for them to wake up from their stubbornness. And he ends by quoting Isaiah 62, where God says, All day long I held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And God will always hold out his hands to the world. And we are to be the messengers of his grace, even when no one responds. Because we might not see the outcome of our evangelism. It might not make sense to us. But we can actually look again to Paul for encouragement. In 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6, Paul says this, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it, but it was God who caused the plant to grow. Now, it would be amazing for things to always work out the way we want it. It would be amazing if our evangelism always brought in many, many, many converts. But God does not work the way we want him to, regardless of any Western cultural ideas about God and what they might say. So we can go out. And we can go out and spread the good news. You don't need any more of a calling than being a Christian and wanting others to know about Jesus. So to finish up, just, you know, maybe read back on Romans 10, Romans 9 and ask, how has Romans challenged you today?